Well, this morning we're continuing in our sermons. We've been looking um, at a few of the Old Testament prophets that proclaimed God's word during a time of revitalization and during a time of really transformation amongst the the lives of God's people. And uh, David introduced us last time to uh, Malachi and how this man who's literally the name meant my messenger was proclaiming God's word to God's people in a time where, well, that energy of revitalization, that energy of rebuilding the temple, that time of sort of renewal had kind of cooled off. <laughs> Things had kind of become a little normal. And God was sort of in a dispute with his people, sort of in a, almost an argument with his people. And we see Mike, Malachi's pro prophetic messages kind of go round and round and round between God and man. And, and, and the words of the prophet anticipate what the, what the people would say. It reminds me that he starts off in this passage reminding us about change. Change. Because we all need to make some changes in our lives. But some of us are not so good with change. Are you one of those people? Maybe you don't really like change so much? That there's that scene in Everybody Loves Raymond. I don't know if you like that old television show. I, I enjoyed it where uh, his mother took a couple of a wooden spoon and a wooden fork off the wall because the, Raymond, the young man, had been complaining, Mom, you never redecorate the house. You never change anything. And she, was, and he, she said he was pointing out that those had been there for so long. And as they tried to change it, well, the paint had faded <laughs> on every spot except where the, the, the fork and stuff were. Change. Some of us don't do well with change. My wife, you know, I'm still her first boyfriend. I mean, yeah, sometimes that works out for us when we don't change. That certainly worked out for me. Um, but sometimes there's changes that, that are good for us. For example, I don't know if you're, because you, if you figured out the change this morning, you're trying to figure it out, there's something different. Yeah, okay, thanks, Jackie. The, the glasses. I, I've got these new glasses. Um, in some ways, it's really good. You guys are a lot better looking than I realized. I'm just going to go ahead and let it know. I'm like, oh, uh, oh, that's what, okay, all right, all right. I can actually see you a little bit better now. But these are now those, um, yeah, progressives. So, like, there's like three steps I can choose from. <laughs> you know, I'm still trying to figure out the change here. I, I, that's the part that I'm not quite used to yet. Okay, change. God speaks a word in Malachi chapter 3 that is all about change, but he reminds us at the very beginning. God wants to emphasize something at the very start about himself. Look what he says in Malachi chapter 3 verse 6. I, the Lord, do not change. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Brothers and sisters, this is one of those key foundational truths. This is one of those key things that we rely on, that we sustain us. This is this concept that we don't actually talk about all that often, but in theology we call it, you ready for the big word that will be on the test? Okay, you don't have, don't have a test. Divine immutability. What does that mean? God does not change? What does it mean that God does not change? Uh, uh, what, 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 is this, what, what is this talking about? As we come to God, we can rely on a very specific truth. That God is not fickle. He is not blown here and there by the whims of emotion. That God is always the same. That his love for you does not change. That you can't do anything to make him love you more. 
And you can't do a thing to make him love you less. He's put all of his love uh, in the expression of himself through Jesus Christ, our Lord, the Savior, incarnate Son of God, who came and died for our sins and rose again to pay the penalty of our sins once and for all, that God's promise does not fail. It does not change. We are forgiven if you have your faith in Jesus Christ. Have you got that truth? I don't walk into God to saying, Oh, is he going to be angry today? Oh, is he going to be unstable today? Oh, is he going to be different than he was yesterday? God's love for you doesn't change. Look at how God says this throughout the scriptures. In 1 Samuel 15, it says this. He, Samuel the prophet is speaking. He says, he who is the glory of Israel doesn't lie. He doesn't change his mind, for he is not a human being that he should change his mind. He goes on, God who is enthroned from of old who does not change, in verse 19, he will hear them and humble them because they have no fear of God. In Hebrews chapter 13, it says of Jesus that Jesus Christ is the same today and yesterday and forever. Now, some of you guys who have been studying your Bibles and reading them consistently, maybe there are stories that are popping into your head, right? Anybody got those, right? Anybody have those stories where it seems like God does sort of change his mind? Um, I've been reading in, in Exodus, um, and uh, where um, God kind of speaks, and he's talking to Moses, and in Numbers, and in these kinds of places where they're in the wilderness, where all of a sudden God seems to have a plan, but uh-oh, seems to redirect. Uh, in one particular episode, we see Moses talking uh, with God, and they're coming down the mountain, and all of a sudden, the people have already begun to be unfaithful to God, and they're building a golden idol, and uh, they're living in revelry, and God is just like, <clears throat> these people I just brought out of Egypt. These people that I have just rescued with mighty hand and these plagues that I put on the Egyptians that I overthrew world power number one, these people that I've brought out of slavery, out of suffering, these people have already turned their backs on me. Moses, I'm done. I'm just going to destroy them and we'll start over with you. I'll make you into a great nation. And Moses intercedes and says, Lord, no. Then the nations will hear and they'll think that you and by your great power were able to bring the people out of Egypt, but not able to bring them into the land you promised. No, God, far be it from you. And God says, okay, I've already forgiven them, but they're going to wander in the land 40 years. Did God change his mind? Did Moses convince the Lord uh, not to destroy the people? God who knows the end from the beginning, God who knows our every thought and our every action before we ever do it, God who already has a plan, a plan of salvation from the beginning of creation to bring us to himself through Jesus Christ, God is not surprised. God, nothing catches him off guard. God knew exactly what was happening. God was using Moses in that moment to be a typology, to be an archetype, to be one who would show us that we need an intercessor. We need someone who goes between God and man. And there is, we know according to 1 Timothy, that there is but one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who intercedes for us. So as God moves through these anthropomorphic kind of like us moments, sure, God has feelings, God has emotions, but in the middle of it, we are not destroyed because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, because he's 
received the end from the beginning. God, because he knows all things, even the fickleness and wickedness of our heart, we can trust that our God does not change. So when it says things like in Hosea chapter 11 where God was pronouncing his final judgment and saying, look, I'm going to, I need to bring this judgment. And he says, but how can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? I can't treat you like Adma. How can I make you like Zeboim? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. God's love has always been there. Even when he has expressed his judgment and his wrath and his discipline upon us, it's really the fact that he is the same. And it's us who have changed. We're the ones who are fickle. We are the ones who are inconsistent. We are the ones who are often um, unfaithful. God's immutability, his unchanging nature collides with our inconsistencies. With our <clears throat> it's like canoeing. You guys ever do any canoeing, kayaking, those kinds of things? Some of you are thinking, absolutely not. No way. I, you know, I, I've done a little, you know, like, like a little canoeing, you know, back in the old uh, Royal Ambassador days. Anybody remember these kinds of things? Um, I was out with Sammy and the boys at boys camp this summer. We did a little canoeing. It's just a little pond, so there wasn't a lot of current. But where there is a current, when there is the tidal waves, if you're doing a little ocean ki sea kayaking, or if there are the things in the river, if you're going, there's a big difference when you're going upstream and downstream, right? Everybody with me on this one? Um, <clears throat> I actually tried that paddle boarding thing one time. There's a big difference going to go upstream versus going downstream. So, but you're doing the same thing, right? Why is it different? Well, obviously that current of the water. We're the ones that change. We're the ones that make it different. When God is the same, he's the flowing river. He's going one way. When we are going with the Lord, we experience his blessing. We experience his transformations. We experience the good things he wants in our lives. And guess what? When we're going opposite, when we're trying to go upstream, when we're going against the Lord, guess what? We're still experiencing his goodness. We're still experiencing his transformation, but may feel like, discipline. <laughs> it feels like correction. It, it, because it is. Does that make sense? We're the ones who tend to be the fickle ones. Look, this is what God then says to the people in Malachi chapter 3. He says, ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees. You haven't kept them. You agreed to be my people. You said you were going to be obedient. You said you were going to follow. We all came into a covenant, but you turned away. So God says, return to me, and I will return to you. God's still going the same direction, but you return to me, and we'll be going the same way. You return to me, we'll be on the same page. You return to me, and it will feel differently because we'll be going together. I will have returned to you. Does this make sense? God is calling, the, and he begins to say how they would blessing. Well, Malachi chapter 3, they say, well, God, how, how are we supposed to return? How are we supposed to come back to you? This is starting to, I'm not making sense to me. What, give me a specific task. Give me something specific to do. And God says, well, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. The people, of course, in this disputation then say, but you ask, how are we robbing you? And God responds in tithes and offerings. All right. When I first knew that this was my passage as the preaching team was assigning, I was like, 
Oh, man, the money sermon again. I don't like being the guy preaching the money sermon. But David was like, I'm not preaching the money sermon. Barry's like, I'm not preaching the money sermon. You're preaching the money sermon. I'm like, oh, oh, I don't want to do the money sermon. But then I realized, yeah, I'm not sure this is exactly about money. Now, it is. I mean, how are you robbing God? Well, with your tithes and your offerings. And we know from the Old Testament that uh, tithes and offerings, that God commands us to give a tithe of all that we earn to the Lord. That's one of the Old Testament commands. In the New Testament, it's more of like being generous in your giving. So I think even beyond the tithes and offerings. But we see this as something that God requires. And we'll see the blessing that God gives in that in this passage. But what I really think God is calling us to do and as we get in line with him, as we return to the Lord in his ways, what he's saying is reorient your treasures. Reorient your whole life and how, what you value. Change things around here a bit. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is talking, and he says, Hey guys, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. No, look at verse 20. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in, uh, break in and steal, because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's interesting in Malachi chapter 3 that when he says, if you need to return to me, you need to give me all of your heart, you need to give me all of your attention, get back going downstream with me, when God's direction, the very first thing he addresses is our pocketbooks, our money, our savings accounts, the very things that, well, quite honestly, we treasure. Do you guys look at yours? Do you, do you look at your accounts? Well, let's see how the, how the retirement's doing this month. Most of us don't want to look there because they haven't been doing so good. Uh, but we have these things where it's like, like to build. Sometimes we have love of money in different ways. Brothers and sisters, when where our treasure is, our heart is also. Giving is something that God has given to us so that we can be reminded of what's truly important. We can value what is truly good. We can be the ones that are, 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 are putting our wealth, our, really it's God's wealth, we're giving back to what he has given to us so that our hearts are about his mission, his purpose, his kingdom, his glory, his fame, his renown. Reorienting my treasures reorients my life. Giving the tithes and the offerings was a gift that God gave to his people because he knew how easily we become consumed and uh, con lovers of stuff. Does that even make sense to you? I don't know if it does to you, but it makes sense to me. I'm one of those guys that loves to watch stuff grow especially my money. I like to hide it all away. I don't like to spend it. I keep telling you, yeah, Vicki, we'll fix up the house. Probably let's wait another eight years. I, mean, I, I want the money to grow first. I want, the, I want to see the, the accounts. I got to reorient myself because that's not going to last. That's not going to say, I've got to be putting things towards God's kingdom. I need to learn to be generous. Well, he goes on in Malachi chapter 3. He says, look, you're under a curse. Your whole nation, because you are robbing me, he says. What? Why do I have the picture of the, the little teddy bear there and the kids? We are all fighting and feuding over possessions. And the parent is having to come in and say, look, kid, I'm sorry. I'm taking this away. I was at a baby shower yesterday. 
It was a change for me. Everybody who was there was a different person. I knew them when they were all college students, and we all did a mission trip together, and it was the craziest thing. One of the people that we met on the mission trip and worked with was a Cambodian young man. Um, he helped. He was one of our translators, and now he works for the Cambodian State Department. He works in, in the Cambodian embassy. And so he uh, was here, and his brand new wife is here, and uh, they only had one month to realize they got married and were like, oh yeah, you're moving to the United States. He's like, what? Oh no. And so she was all surprised, and they're all here, and oh no, they're already pregnant and having a baby. And it's like, they're away from their family, they're away from their friends. And it was like a reunion for us, because all of these people who were on this mission trip as college students, they're all grown. They're all married, they all have young kids, and we had a little reunion and a baby shower for this person we met in Cambodia. It was a great time. It was also a lot of kids. It was a great time, <clears throat> and it was a lot of kids. It was a lot of little kids, and you know how little kids are when they get together. They're fighting and feuding, and they're, they're, they're pulling, and they're not wanting to share, and, and that's when we all have to take the toys away, right? If you can't play nice, we have to take it away. You've been there. You know what I'm talking about. I think that's the Lord. He sometimes, if you can't have your heart in the right place with your treasures, if you're fighting and feuding with the world trying to get all you can get just for you, I think God has to say, look, I'm having to like curse it. I'm having to like take it away. I'm having to discipline. In verse 10 it says this, so bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Bring that full amount in that there might be food in my house. Test me in this, the Lord says. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Verse 11, I will prevent the pest from devouring your crops and the vines from your fields and not let the fruit drop before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. And verse 12, then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. What does it mean to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse? Does that mean you better every, I mean, if you earned 100, you better put 10. It is exactly a 10%. That is, yeah, biblically, Old Testament, it was a tithe. Did you bring the whole tithe into the storehouse? Okay, <clears throat> this is a moment that we've never had before. I caught somebody who did not bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Anybody nervous? Actually, I don't look at your giving. I, I, don't, I don't look at it all. Who did I catch? I, I got, thank you, financial team. I got my giving report <laughs> this year. And I was looking, and there was February, there was March, there was April, there was May. I, I had my giving each month. Where was January? I, I don't know. I guess I was traveling, we went to vacation, and I looked and I was like, huh, it's a little shorter than it should have been. Where was January? Bring the whole, I, I, it's me, I caught me. I, I, apparently I did not bring the whole tithe into the storehouse last year. <clears throat> Fortunately, the Old Testament records, if you don't uh, do the whole tithe according to the Old Testament ways, you were supposed to add a fifth to its value, and then, you know, if you're supposed to bring a sheep, and you didn't you have to give a sheep and a fifth of a sheep. I don't know how that worked exactly, but you're supposed to give a fifth of its value to the Lord um, as sort of like, oops, you forgot, and you messed something up, and you just, you know. Do I have to give an extra? I don't want to give an extra. I, I mean, I, I just forgot. It wasn't intentional. Can't I just give an, the regular to make up for it? Or, you know, that was last year, and I'll just do better this year. 
Guys, God is not this. God doesn't change. He's not, he, he's not fickle, and he's not worried that. But here's what it did. It made me reevaluate. Is it not my joy to give to the Lord? Is it not a good thing to give to the Lord? I'm holding on to my money too tight. You know what? Absolutely, I want to make sure that I'm bringing the whole tithe into the storehouse. In fact, I want to give a little extra because all of it belongs to him. It, it, it's good for me. It wasn't legalism. It's not, it's just, I don't think God's going to, oh, okay, I'm going to not bless you or all of the nation. Why is inflation so high? We all know now Pastor Mike didn't turn in his full tithe. That's why the inflation is raised so high. Okay, maybe now. It'll, it's not that. But it is for my heart a returning to saying, God, are you the center of my heart, the center of my treasure? Um, are you the one that is most valuable to me? And he says that then we see this reversal that all the nations will call you blessed because your joy is in the Lord. Your trust is in him. You're not worried or concerned about the things that the world is concerned about. Jesus commanded us in the same passage where he said, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. He says, do not worry about what you'll wear or what you'll eat. Your Father in heaven knows that you need them. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. So all the nations will call you blessed because you trust and walk with the Lord. You see, the reversal was right there. They, they will see us as blessed. But the crazy thing is, the reversal happens. We're looking around thinking, that the world is blessed. We're looking at the people who aren't serving the Lord. Oh, look at how their lives are. Oh, look at how good they've got it. They're the ones that have all the gifts, all the pleasures, all the treasures. We've kind of confused what God has for us. I was talking to a young lady um, at UMBC at Bible study this week on Thursday night, and we were in our small groups, and we were looking, and she said, she said, you know, there's other people that are so much, boy, they really, the people that come to know Jesus late in life, they're so lucky. They're so lucky. Because then they get to, to do everything the world has. They can go to all the parties. They can do all the things. And then later, they can have Jesus too. But, but they get all the fun stuff right now. And then they get all of Jesus and stuff later in heaven. Boy, I guess I grew up in the church, and that's just... And their testimonies are better because they have the big turnaround. And I'm thinking, oh, I love you. Jesus loves you, but you're confused. You're confused. The world doesn't have it better. The only things that I regret are the things where I wasn't living for the Lord. The only things that bring me grief and sorrow in this life are the times that I wasn't living for the Lord. The only things that break my heart over and over again is when I see my unfaithfulness. She's confused. You see, that's exactly how the people of God were confused. And in Malachi, God confronts them and says, you've reversed this whole thing. You've got it all mixed up. You're thinking that the world is blessed. Look in chapter 3, verse 13. He goes on to say this. God says, you've spoken arrogantly against me, says the Lord. And they're like, uh, what have we said against you? In verse 14, you have said it's futile to serve God. What do we gain? by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners or those that are like praying and weeping as, as Barry did earlier, crying out for our nation. But, but what do we gain by going about as mourners and carrying out God's commands, serving him before the Lord Almighty? 
verse 15, he goes on to say, and, and we call the arrogant, we call the other people, the evildoers, blessed. Certainly evildoers prosper, and even when they put God to the test, they seem to get away with it. We're like what the psalmist recorded in Psalm 73, when he says, this is what the wicked are like. They're always carefree. They go on amassing wealth. Continuing, surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. Verse 16, when I tried to understand all this, I was, it troubled me deeply until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Brothers, we need to have a reorientation. We need to realize that just like the psalmist, that there is an eternity that is coming, that God sets all things right, that his justice is there, that serving God is never futile. It is never in vain. His blessings, we may have troubles just like the world. We may have troubles in this life, but when we are going on the same stream, when we are going in God's path, they are for our continued transformation and growth and actual joy in the Lord. So change number two that God wants to bring is that we need to realize something incredibly different that is in existence right now. We need to realize our treasured status. That says change number one. I need to change that to change number two. That is change number two that God wants to bring, that he has given us a treasured status, that he has given us a special place. You remember my uh, baby shower yesterday? Little kids running everywhere, lots of screaming, lots of yelling, lots of pulling with toys. But can I tell you one thing that was true? We were glad to see each other, but we celebrated those kids. We they were our treasured possession. They were the treasured of the other thing. And we were celebrating this, this, this conception and ultimately this birth of this new, she's one month away, the birth of this new child, this new life that's coming in the world. We were celebrating together because... It's a baby. It's a baby. And we're excited about the new life and all the potential and all that this signifies and brings. Brothers and sisters, you, like a newborn child, God's treasured possession. Can you say that? You are God's treasured possession. You are God's treasured possessions. Listen to how God says it in Malachi. Then... Those who feared the Lord were talking with each other, and the Lord listened, and he heard, and a scroll of remembrance was written in God's presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. What did it say? Well, it says this in verse 17, on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they, these people that knew the Lord, who feared God, they will be my treasured possessions. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son who loves me. Being the treasured possession. This is the promise that God has always made for the people of God. With Moses and the Israelites who came out of Egypt, he called them, you will be a nation of priests and my treasured possession and my treasured possession. For those of us who are New Testament believers, the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, reminds us that he says, you, you ready? This means you, if you're a believer in Jesus, you are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, 
a people that God, of God's own treasured possession. That you might declare the praises of him who brought you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are that treasured possession, that royal priesthood, that holy nation. You are these people who belong to God. And he cares about us. Now think about that for a second. The people were complaining. Look, man, they're blessed. Look, they've got all the money. They've got the easy life. They can kind of do whatever they want. They're not having to serve God or worry about this. Their complaint was about ministry and service and knowing God. Wake up. You, if you belong to Jesus, think about it, are God's treasured possession. Wait, God's treasured possession. Wait a second. That, I mean, can you imagine what that means? That the whole universe that belongs to the king, you're the one that he's like, he's got his eye on you. He's watching out for your life. He's got, you are the apple of his eye. You are the one that he loves, that he sent his own son to redeem. You are God's treasured possession. And out of all, of, along with all things, if God, who did not spare his own son, how will he not, along with Jesus, give us all? all things, everything that we need for life, for godliness, he's already provided. You are his treasured possession. When I see those parents yesterday interact with those children, when I see this expectant couple and all their joy and excitement, even though they're so far away from their parents about this, what God is going to give and do, I can see they would do anything for those children. They would give anything for those children. The Lord God didn't even spare his own son, but has loved you so much that he sent Jesus to be your savior, to give you grace. And our God does not change. He does not take that grace away. He does not take that salvation away. He has brought you into this treasured possession status. Verse 18 of Malachi chapter 3. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. You will again see that blessing of God that comes from walking with him. You will again see these days when, when ultimately we are, who are even walking through difficult situations, have the presence of God, and you will ultimately see Jesus face to face on the day he comes back from us. That's why the psalmist in Psalm 73 concludes with this. Whom have I in heaven but you? And the earth has nothing I desire beside you. This morning, is that you? Do you need to reorient your life? Starting by just reordering your treasures and saying, you know what? I haven't been tithing. I haven't been giving to God regularly. That, that, that's something, something that's not been my practice. But you're saying, you know what? This year, I'm going to do it. I'm actually going to give my treasure. I'm going to give what belongs to God to God. I'm going to honor him with my whole life, beginning with my finances, and I'm just going to start writing that check once a month. Or, hey, we've got ways to give online. Whatever's convenient. But you want to say, I want to give my life to God. That means I'm going to honor God with my finances. Maybe that's the decision you're making this morning. Maybe your decision this morning is, you know what, the truth of the matter is, I, I have been going opposite of the Lord. There are places I just need to repent of. There are places I need to turn around from. I need to return to the Lord so I can experience that return to him. This morning that the altar is open if you need to come in repentance. And finally, there may be some listening online or here this morning that you've never become God's treasured possession.
That you need to say yes to him this morning. Just say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sins. Thank you for dying for me. And move from death into life to become treasured possession. God gave it all that he might redeem you for his glory, for his renown, and out of his love for you. How can we not respond by giving all? Because all of God is all that we need. I'll be at the front. Scott's going to lead us in a final song. You're going to stand, and as we sing together, if you need to join this church, or you need to make a decision for Jesus, or you just need to come to the altar to pray, or pray with one of the pastors here, you come, respond as Jesus is calling you.